Welcome to No Queries, the podcast where we talk about data. I'm Eric, and with me is Amber. Hello. So this is our first episode. So I guess we will start with who we are and why we're talking about data. So who are you? Who am I? See, I don't know if this is going to work. I feel like I got to write this down and like have like No, a you just got to talk. You just talk. Yeah, ad hoc it. Ad hoc. What do you do related to data? Uh, I am a cloud solutions architect. Okay. Uh, and what, what does that mean? I guess that means that I advise people on how to move into the cloud. And we talk uh-huh. about things that we're going to do yep. in like 2023. Okay. That's pretty far out. Yeah. Yeah. That's architecting. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So before that you did developing. Mm-hmm. How is that different? Actually, it wasn't all that different because I was the developer and the architect. But you did the thing that you architected. Yes. It didn't take until 2023. No. So the difference is you don't have to tell anybody what you're doing or explain it to anyone. You just do it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I had the whole team and then we just stood around and argued about minor things like naming conventions. and. Oh, people love naming conventions. It's like, you know I feel like people are really awful at them. Yeah. Like my current boss really loves changing things in the middle. Yeah. Cause then you change your mind. Cause then yeah. it stops making sense. Ooh. We're going to have to do this differently. Now we're going to go with dashes instead of underscores. Yeah. Or the business just t- changes what they call a thing. So now everything is poorly misnamed. <laughs> just requests. <laughs> I misspelled a word in a table the other day and it reminded me of acquisitions, oh, which is misspelled that is for, sitting there, that for code years. We'll be sitting there for years to come and somebody will come across that in many years and go, why doesn't this work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the problem is they're probably going to blame me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happens <laughs> when you, when you're the architect, you get blamed for everything. Hmm. So I guess my background, I, I was, I was not doing data. I was doing biology and then I needed a job and my friend said, Hey, you should work on data. So I did data stuff, did uh, transactional stuff and then BI stuff and cloud stuff. Then I met Amber. You did more cloud stuff. I did more cloud stuff. And now I don't know what I do. I actually started out in health insurance. Mm-hmm. And I was paying claims and I worked in a call center for a while. And then I did some high dollar claims and adjustment stuff. And then, um, let's see, I moved out here and I started building a website. Um, it was a kind of a challenge thing. Um, and I thought that can't be that hard. I ran servers for games and whatever else. So can't be that difficult. So I started with Dreamweaver. No, let's go back. I started with GoDaddy's like drag and drop builder. Mm -hmm. It was awful. So I went to Dreamweaver. Not enough technical experience to figure that one out. So then I went straight to the code and that I could actually figure out. What was Dreamweaver? Dreamweaver was like a website building application, like a drag and drop. Like a WordPress, like not quite as drag and drop as others. Super, more like a Photoshop for websites. Okay. Like it was super advanced. Gotcha. But you really had to know what you're talking about to figure it out. Um, Or maybe just to configure it the way you wanted to configure it. So 
I was doing that in my spare time and somebody found out that I was doing it. Somebody that worked in IT and they said, I have a really great job for you. Why don't you come over here? And that was the beginning of all of it. Yeah. That was more BI stuff, right? Reporting. No, I went into QA first. Oh, yep. Yeah. Um, and then worked through a bunch of automation stuff and then looked at some of the reporting stuff. And I was like, Ooh, I could do the reporting stuff yeah. because that's like a combination of what websites and data. Yeah. So that was really fun. And then from there it was BI and whatever else. Yeah. I see. I think it's interesting. Cause like a lot, there's a lot of people on like forums and stuff that are, you know, getting into data engineering or BI and like, they're coming out of college with CS degrees and going into data engineering. Cause it's like the new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like people, and they always ask like, how, you know, how did you get into it? Like all this background, most people who have experience are like, Oh, well I did this totally unrelated thing. And then I sort of just fell into it. And mm-hmm. like, but now there's actual people who are like studying for it. You know, what interesting. It, it, it is interesting because it's not just people studying for it. It's, um, People that are now in our position are pulling people straight from college and mm-hmm. saying, I would rather have this person learn everything from me and build them up than try and find somebody that has experience in X, Y, Z. So I think there's a lot of that going on, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if you're getting new people and you may as well get them straight out of college. <laughs> right. Like Brand new. Like. There's no bad habits already formed. Yeah. They're way more, more willing to listen to your naming convention than to make up their own. Yeah, start underscoring everything. <laughs> they might do that, but they'll also go back and change it when you tell them to. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's go into today's topic. Okay. Today's topic is data governance. All right. What, what is data governance? I guess we'll start with. That's the thing. Data governance is different. Everywhere you go, mm-hmm. um, the big companies have so much red tape that everything has to flow through a specific format to be able to feed into their data governance policies. Small companies have no data com- governance policies, mm-hmm. so they pretty much have no data governance. Um, and so it's the the interesting part to me when it comes to this topic is the evolution of how we get from the none to the overly done. And that's kind of the thing when you're running teams and you're trying to figure out what rules to apply as when do you apply them and when does it become too much or too little? Um, and how do you, I guess, decide when to escalate to the next level? And even then, what are the levels of that? Have you ever worked anywhere that had good, what you would consider good data governance? Hmm. No, no, I haven't. Data dictionary. How mm-hmm. many companies have you worked for that had a data dictionary when you first showed up? Uh, a maintained data dictionary, not one that was created the very first time you worked there. None. I mean, we, we made one, but nobody but used it happened. and then it got obsolete. Yeah. Exactly. Cause they get out. If they're not automated, they're going to get obsolete. No one's going to go through there and update them. So I've worked at a few that have talked about data governance and made a big deal about it, but there was never any like solution that got implemented that would actually accomplish what I would consider data governance. So the interesting thing there too is data governance is is a covering of all topics in that space. So it's, you have your, 
your kind of stakeholders, your business people that own the definition of things, right? And you have your technical people that own the definition of it in the back end. And then maybe what columns or column names, that definition is typically owned by um, an OLTP, some sort of transactional space, right? And so when people talk data governance, especially in the, the BI side, they're typically talking about a data dictionary or just something that's going to tell us mm-hmm. um, what is where and how do you get it. Um, but data governance is bigger than that. It's the conversations that you have about your metrics and your KPIs, and it spans from business users to analytics right. to the transactional data engineers stuff too. to transactional developers. It's like I think if you have good data governance, it's not just going to be in your data warehouse. It's going to be in all of your system. A good data data governance platform would be across your entire organization, right. not just. Which I've never seen. Mm-mm. It's always just whoever the developer is on a certain app does whatever they want, and then you have to clean it up as you bring it into the warehouse, and then getting agreement between different groups never occurs. Well, and here's the thing, too, from a business perspective. At what point does it become worth the money to do it? Like. It would be nice. I think that we would all agree that it would be nice to have when you show up. But what's the business value in it? Like, why doesn't the business ever care to do any of these things? Right. And I think that the biggest thing for me when I think about it is actually in the the metrics and in analytics space is the biggest benefit to them because it's about the money you lose from miscommunication yeah. and, you know, um, past experiences with that have been more around the area of arguing for an entire year over what the definition of a single KPI is never solving a single problem. Because we've been arguing about the definition and changing it along the way. Yeah. And that's due to not having any kind of data data governance at all. Right. And then you have different departments that define things differently. Mm -hmm. And they all report different numbers or different systems that are doing the same thing. Yeah. Or different reports even. Mm Because if you have a more distributed reporting group, then you have each department making their own reports. Refresh times. Different refreshes, Mm -hmm. different batching of data different sources of data. So even though all of the data would be in a data warehouse, whatever you put on top of that would right. still then need its own set of data governance mm-hmm. to be able to. And that's assuming really, you even have a data warehouse. Mm-hmm. You could be in an organization that just is reporting off of whatever system they can get the, their hands on. Yep. And then it's even more of a mess. So even having a data warehouse helps because at least you hopefully have a team sorting through the data on the way in, but then you still have to have more on top of that because it still becomes a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you try to cheat and just say we have a data lake instead of a data warehouse and it's just a complete mess of data. Close that, enough. <laughs> yeah. It's another good topic. Yeah, data really, lake data, versus yeah. data warehouse. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. See, the way I view a data lake is like I grabbed a bunch of files and I put them in a folder. Mm-hmm. Like that's my visual that's perception of a data lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it has a place, especially if you're getting it does. It has as a like very a staging specific area. place. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the big things is, is how powerful they are um, when it comes to organization of data. And when you really get it right, like mm-hmm. they become just as powerful as 
um, platforms like Teradata. Um, they're, they're incredibly powerful. But they have to be organized well. You can't treat yep. it exactly like a file system where yep. you're throwing stuff in and, and updating from there. Or it becomes um, a data swamp. <laughs> I heard that yeah. term recently, I and I yet. thought that was the funniest thing. I yeah. just heard it maybe two weeks ago. Oh, really? I read yeah. that a, a little while ago, that like yeah. why your data lake becomes a data swamp. Yeah. Yeah. I thought and that that's because, so yeah, funny. if you don't control it or you just start dumping files in and you don't have any way of like naming them well a good so name, you that, don't have a good that naming can convention actually tie back to data governance really well then because mm -hmm. that's an additional factor to it is almost like being able to do these new platforms requires data governance and in, in a better space than what it is oh yeah especially if you want to do like hey we'll just put all our data out there and then use it when we need it then yeah, yeah you need to have a good idea of what data who's using what data you know microsoft just came out with um a new program or a new um, platform offering called Purview. Okay. And I think it's built off of their, um, what was it? Their data warehouse stuff that they did before where they did the data dictionary. But what it does is it goes out and, and pulls in all of the metadata um, and it's working on some sort of like auto updating um, platform. We'll have to look up the really specific details so we can add that to this. Yeah, um, because it's I'm probably not doing it justice on the way that I'm describing it, but it's probably the most advanced thing I've seen so far mm -hmm. as far as data governance in Azure. But that's only like half of it, because that's going to you can automate the metadata from all your systems to at least give you an idea of what's out there. But you still need like the business view of what it is and what it's for. Yeah, that part you're never going to get around. Right. And the only way to do that is to actually have um, what are the data stewards, mm -hmm. people that are dedicated directly to making sure that the data is represented correctly. Right. Um, and in the, the have you ever known an organization that, that had a data steward? No, yep. no. I only came across that term while researching data governance, data governance to yeah. propose it as a plan, which then got removed from the slide deck because it was too complicated yep. for the audience. Um, and so in that space though, uh, it goes back to the same thing was you know, a company has to see the value, like the value enough in data governance to actually hire a person right. to do that. I did. The, and the closest I got, I, one of the banks I worked at had built a data governance council Okay. Which is like a group that got together every week. People who already have a job doing something else. That's true. It was a group of people who that had are other volunteering jobs. to play this this role. But this is the closest I've seen. Of mm -hmm. they actually got together and we. But maybe who were building, that's maybe that's the solution. Is that you always have to have mm -hmm. internal space because maybe the business never sees the value in that. Oh, they're not. Like unless you're like a really data based company. And even a lot of the data, like yeah, data driven then. companies that I've seen. I mean, like your product is data, yeah. then you might have value. But if your product is not. Yeah, maybe for a consulting company that's really trying to kind of show off that they're mm -hmm. capable of doing these types of things. But right. the smaller companies, there's not a lot of value in that. Yeah, that's that's the closest I've seen. It was a council. It got together as we were building the warehouse. We knew who to go to and at least, you know, get it, 
we'd bring up a lot of topics and then they would argue about it and then they would go off. And then hopefully within the week, we get an email saying, this is what we came up with, which is a very slow and painful process, but it, it was at least an agreement before we built it, which I've never done before. Usually we build it and then we try to force them into it. Well, because there's no other way. The only other way to do that is like what I did, which is I had to learn all about the company from A to Z, not just the jobs and the things that they did, but also the way that the data flowed through the system. Right. And only then could I design anything that made sense for that platform. Which is more reasonable at a smaller company. But mm-hmm. even then, once you even had, but even then that took. It takes a long time. It's it took, un- you know, a, a too, too much time. Right. Um, luckily, I was at a point in my career where I was like really determined to like prove myself. So it was uh, it was one of those things that you catch on to and then you work a lot of extra hours to make it happen because you're just so excited about it. But even then, I think I would never expect developers to show up and just spend an entire year learning the business right. and then figuring out how to make a data warehouse out yeah. of that. That's Probably not the best use of your time either. No. And but the only other way to do it is to have people like your past experience right. that are dedicated to answering those questions. Right. Otherwise you build it build some sort of product that nobody uses. Use it and then they don't like it. They don't. Which is why many projects fail. Right. Yeah. That that's the lesson here is companies have to dedicate resources to actually I don't think that's a solution. I don't, I, I, let me say this. That might be the correct solution, but it may not be a realistic one. Yeah. Yeah. I think a realistic one is more in the area of data engineers and analytics commingling a little bit easier. Because if you think about the people that really understand the business and the data, it's probably your analytics. They don't, they don't know the, data engineering side of it and that relationship there needs to get a little bit better. Yeah. And that's another good topic is a centralized data team versus like distributed throughout the company data team. Yeah. Having separate data analytics and data engineering. Yeah. Like does, does each Mm -hmm. department have their own analysts or do you centralize it into one team? So I've thought a lot about that topic too, because in that space, Really, if you were focusing on what would be most successful for the project, you would pair groups of people. You would pair a Mm -hmm. data engineer and a data scientist or a data engineer and an analytics and a data scientist or whatever specific you needed for that project. The problem with that is that the expectations of analytics and engineering are so drastically different and data science for that factor, so drastically different that it's really difficult for one person to manage the expectations of three different um, three different subsects of of data, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of have to have somebody that understands all three of them, and how many people are really there that understand all three of anything. Um, like that's, it's kind of a, an oddball out situation. Um, but you don't really have to understand all of it to really run a team. Right. You can pair in that space and, and see how it goes. But 
the only other way to do it is to continue having the separate teams. And um, it, it, what's weird about that is the transactional separation that happens when you're on different teams. I have to kind of bundle this up and make sure I've got everything. It becomes a more ticketing system. Yes. And then I have to hand it off to you. Right. Um, and, then, and this is a natural thing. You don't even have to tell people that this is the mm-hmm. expectation. But when you have people on separate teams, the general expectation is that you wrap it up nicely and, and hand it over. Yep. You have some sort of handoff. And so even when you don't tell people that that's what you're going to do. Yeah, it's just it's that's what, what they do. do. And people think mm-hmm. they're doing it helpful. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get it. Well, I don't really want to waste their time. Exactly. And we hear that a lot right. with data engineering. Well, I don't want to waste their time. Um, and, and then on, on the other hand, like if you don't do it and then you're sort of managing the teams differently, then that person might be busy with other things mm-hmm. and they're not ready to get around to it. And then how do you coordinate, like getting something done on time when you have two different timelines going? Yep. But the other side is if you try to centralize it to like a single data team, then it seems like the longer the analyst type people are away from their department that their expertise comes from, then they start to lose that too. Like that team moves on and they change policies and they're not including the analyst in it. And so then it just becomes the same issue of now you need that. They need to partner with somebody from that team. And then you still have the handoff issue. Mm-hmm. So. And so even with, even if you were to merge the teams, here's the other thing that, um, that I struggle with a good leader in a data engineering space knows how to, knows how to work with people in data engineering. They know what things they need to learn. They know, you know, what skill set they need to push them down. Like they have a better idea of that. And so if they're strong in that side, they're most likely not as strong in the analytics side right. um, and vice versa. So it's hard for people to want to work for somebody with a different background because mm-hmm. they don't understand what they're asking for or they're always one-sided. Yep. So, and that's I even, think, yeah, that's before we even include like the data science side. Cause then mm-hmm. if you have a more data science project, you need all three of those pieces together and then it becomes a, a, a mess of a blender. Yeah. And so you need a, a combined team, but a way of sorting out communication between that. And I just have never seen, I've never seen that done successfully mm-hmm. without it being some sort of, competition between leaders or too many merging ideas at the same time and not knowing, you know, which, which thought to run with. Um, it's, it's an interesting space, I think, but people yeah. dynamics in a data driven world is absolutely interesting. It's psychology <laughs> with fact and then we're all kinds of messed up. Yeah. Let's go, let's go back around governance and I guess that's the, the, this, <laughs> thing with it is that there is a problem to solve with data governance that I don't have the answer mm-hmm. to. Um, and that is essentially is around, issue. yeah, it's a people issue, but a lot, if you th- really think about a lot of the data problems we have, they're people issues. Yep. They are um, issues with agreeing on naming conventions or being too controlling or, you know, not controlling enough. How much to commit on a larger scale of like, you want these reports, how much 
Yeah. How many resources are you going to give to it? Yeah. Or, you know, you want this solution, you know, do we have the resources? But that's to not it? how everybody likes to see it either is, but how much do you need? Like if you think right. about it in like a, you know, bartering type situation, which most people would consider that in like how much time do you, you, you know, are you going to give me for this project? Well, right. how much time do you need? Cause I really don't want to give you more than what you need. And then that's when you get into that argument about how much time, you know, your team is spent at the ping pong table instead of coding. Never mind that they just put in a 10 hour day. Right. They just don't like, or that it, they could be thinking through the process. Pro- yeah. Wow. Or they could be thinking yeah. through the problem in their head as they're, you know, finding something to distract with. Yep. But that's where you get into that mess is, well, how much time do you need to complete it? And we never what, have an answer for that. Right. And I think part of it's like data is kind of a new space. Like mm-hmm. it's blown up in the last 10 to 20 years that a lot of people just don't understand. Yeah. And so the idea of like, well, the data is there, you just go get it and then you build a report on it. But it's like the data is there, but the data is a mess. It's unusable. It has to be cleaned up. It has to be reformatted. It has to be restructured. We have to decide what data is good and what data is bad. Understand. And like yeah. that whole middle piece is I think people are just starting to realize. See, and the interesting thing is that they do realize it, but they realize it a little bit too late yep. and not in the same context. Right. So I realize it when all of this data is wrong. I know this report is wrong because it doesn't match this other one. And now <laughs> we have two different stories. Right? right. And so now all of the data is wrong um, because we don't even know where reality sits in this yep. space. The problem is you don't know that until the end of but building it. Then, though, it's the, the point is they don't blame the data or that we didn't spend enough time cleaning it mm-hmm. or we rushed through the data engineering side and made our data lake a data swamp. <laughs> <laughs> Still love it. Um, they're not thinking that. They're thinking this team needs to get their shit together and... Mm-hmm figure out why they can't produce a good report. Right. Why is their data a mess? Yeah. 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 So your the perspective is not, Oh, I need data governance. It's wow. These guys suck. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so there's your leadership in because right. that's the space where you need people to be able to approach those problems before they really become problems. But I think that's still part of the overall, like people don't understand, like there's so many people that are in leadership that maybe have, they're either good leaders. They just don't understand data. Or um, I feel like in my experience, there's a lot of people in data and analytics who use a lot of buzzwords and get into positions they shouldn't be in. Um, I swear every company <laughs> I've been at has had there's like, always somebody, anybody technical can see through it, but the audience doesn't seem to be phased at right. all. Um, and yeah, the, the charismatic always over, you know, wins over, the reality of it. And sometimes the reality is just that, you know, you need to slow down or you need to hire more people. And with the cost of these positions, they never want to hear that. Which I find is very funny because people in analytics tend to be very analytical. Right. <laughs> and and don't rush to the decisions, but then they seem to be they led to be by people who are the exact opposite. To, yeah, forced yeah. to rush to those decisions. And that's where they come back with the the answers are wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'll see data analytics working into the evening because their stuff has to be ready for somebody's 8 a.m. meeting and that person went home. So it's not like right. it's not like they're sitting with them up till midnight making this happen. Yeah, they just want the data. Yeah. 
and yeah. they assume it's just there to be to be gotten. Yes. Right. And most of the time, analytics has their own struggles with trying to get to um, trying to get to the data themselves in the way that they need it because we didn't really work together to create that data warehouse. So now the context of what they need is slightly different than the context right. that we understood. Or they get a last minute change mm-hmm. and now they need an actual, they need different data and it's not available. So then you got to put in a ticket with the engineering group. Half to of make it is the on updates. this server and half of it's on that server. Yeah. And now I've got to figure out how I'm going to merge all this together. Right. Yeah. No, there's, there's problems in both spaces, but I think, I think that a lot of it has to do with, with leadership, understanding how to approach those problems, whether it be, you know, reasonable expectations or understanding what the real problem is outside of the report is wrong. Yeah. The report is wrong. It's not really ever the issue unless I mean, could you're be. counting Sometimes duplicates and like, you know, that's kind of on you, but right. most of the time something well worked on the issue would be something like data governance or, you know, we weren't, setting our people up for success in the very right. beginning. They had to poor de- rush poor through definition. these. Yeah. 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 And in my analytics space, I can't tell you how many times I put stuff on slides and went, Oh God, I don't know what this is going to unleash. Yeah. And I don't even know that I'm right, but people are insisting that this make it into the deck. And I'm saying, I think this number is wrong. And I've had multiple situations where people are like, can we use this slide? And it's, yeah. Two months later, and I know so well. Two months later, that I was wrong, changed like or drastically changed wrong, right? Yeah. And um, and then you have to go back and like try to undo that damage, and that's assuming that they ask you if that slide is, you know, okay to use. Right. Like, lucky just, yeah, if they ask you just, instead of just oh, doing see, it, see right? some data and grab it yeah. and go. Yeah. yeah. Which and this is another topic for probably a whole other thing is QAing it can be Ooh, a nightmare so here's, because here's a great topic. Oh, let me let you finish that. I was say like QAing can be a nightmare because like sometimes you with bad governance and bad sometimes you just have to guess and you're like I I have nothing to compare this to to know if I'm even in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So, how many companies have you worked at that actually have data QAs? Zero people who are dedicated to just. QAing data. Zero. Yeah. Why? Kind kind of. Why? Kind of one, maybe, but it was not a we have, dedicated. We one. have a very specific space for people in uh, QA engineering and an application space. Right. And now I would argue, and I'm biased, I think it's easier to QA engineering stuff. It's much easier to know if a mm. website works or not or a web app throws an error or not. Yes. There's a lot of automated testing goes into that, but right. remember back to our QAing stuff that we did where it was like run a script. We found this issue. We're going to create something to go back and make sure it never happens again. Right. Mm-hmm. But what happens is eventually nobody looks at it anymore. It falls out of disarray and it's completely useless. Right. So the value though is clearly there because it's self healing Problems, you know, are common. Right. But, but we it, don't. That still only applies to the engineering side. It doesn't really evaluate whether or not we did the, we have, we're using the right data to get to the right number. Like yes. There's a lot on the analytics side so, of QA there that I think is very challenging and nobody really does it. But we proposed 
having one engineer and two data QAs. The engineering effort in this is Azure Data Factory, leveraging parameters, looping through pipelines. Once you do it the first time, the actual development work in this is mm-hmm. like next to none. Right. Um, but the importance that the data is exactly the way that it is supposed to be 10 times more important. Right. And what you find is that people go, but we don't hire data QAs. We don't have a position for that. Right. We don't even recognize what that means. And so what we're, you know, what you essentially have to do is hire engineers to then end up QAing their own work, mm-hmm. which I am so thoroughly against yeah. because I'm sure you've heard this from me a hundred times. But if I built it that way, right. I built it that way on purpose. I'm not right. going to look at it and go, oh, I got that wrong. Yeah. You're going to look at it and go, what were you thinking? Yeah. And I'm going to go, I don't know. Like. It's not like we're talking about it got duplicates at the end and I just didn't look at the data like we all have those days. But that's not what we're talking about. Like we're talking about logical failures. My brain said that's the way we're doing it. Yeah. So it's right to me. It's fascinating to me that engineers insist on QAing their own work because you're. I think most do out of necessity. Yeah. 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 And so I don't understand why people think that's the and, right thing. And I to would do. say this you could say, well, the analysts could do the QA, but again, they're on the same side. They're they think it's correct because this is the process Even they're then, following. They're not and then, typically looking at the code. Yeah. And then like, that's the thing. They're focused on their side and they're probably getting tons of requests for ad hoc reports and things. So they're not really they're just yeah. throwing it out there as quick as they can. Right. Or they have no time to come back to you. So yep. they're going to add additional code on top of your code to filter out or edit the things that you didn't get right, right. not say a thing and, and then, move yeah. that forward because they and have then, a deadline to hit. But then somebody else uses it and they just use the wrong thing and they go, <laughs> why are these numbers different? <laughs> yes, exactly. And then they argue about it for a couple of days. So at the end of all of that, what's the solution for data governance? Tune in next time. <laughs> we don't have one. Yeah, we don't have one. We're still working on it. We'll let you know when we figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. So thanks for listening. If you have any recommendations of topics for us to discuss, shit, I don't have an email. I don't have an email address yet. Actually, I do. Figure out the email. Um, I'm sure I have no queries at gmail.com. I think I would have gotten. Oh, yeah, I do because it's my YouTube channel. Fuck, I'm dumb. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any recommendations of topics you'd like us to hear, you can send them our way at noqueries at gmail.com. Uh, you can also check out the YouTube channel, No Queries. Um, and uh, if you if you like what you hear, you can rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. It would really help out. Thanks. Thanks.